you for coming this afternoon. If you haven't met me before, I think I've met a number of you. My name is Jody Himmelwright. I'm the manager of Outreach Professional Development. And I want to welcome you today to um, a program in what we call the Outreach Insights Series. So we all have a better understanding of what's going on in outreach. Um, today's presentation and subsequent team activity is with Shavers Creek. So we're going to learn what's going on at Shavers Creek, what's new, what successes <coughs> have they had, what challenges are they facing, and then they're going to go into a, a fun exercise today that will also complement that, that presentation. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce to you Rod Lee and Will Wise from Shavers Creek. You'll hear more about them, of course, throughout the day, so I will talk no more. If you have any questions or need anything throughout the program, because we are scheduled to run to 4 o'clock, you can always reach me upstairs on the second floor here in the 329 building. For those of you who might not be familiar with the building, the, the restrooms are right out here across from the elevator. Um, and if you need anything else, just let me know. All right. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. So how many of you are familiar with Shavers Creek? So we're going to find out. We've got, a, we've got you know, probably 90% of the room raising their hands. We're going to find out how familiar you are with Shavers Creek. <laughs> are you uh, saying you're going to give them a test? Well, yeah, there's going to be some, there's going to be some testing involved, which will uh, be uh, some questions that I have for you to test your knowledge as far as what your perceptions of Shavers Creek may be, um, where we've come in the past, 30 years, we've been operating as Penn State's Nature Center for 32 years now. So uh, we'll kind of talk, not necessarily about the history, but more about what's current at Shavers Creek and looking towards the future of Shavers Creek. So for a lot of people, um, my name's Rod Lee, I'm a program director at Shavers Creek. I've been associated with Shavers Creek since 1993, but uh, I've been a program director since 2003. I actually left the area, but if you are at Shavers Creek any time, you're usually associated. You continue to get the newsletter, things like that, and stay in touch. And when I found out uh, in 2003, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, and when I found out that this current position was open, uh, Phoenix is a, a lovely place if you like hot, hot, hot in the summer. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I chose back to come back here to uh, raise our family once uh, I'd interviewed and was offered the position. So I'm one of a cadre of program directors, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means as far as our structure in, in a moment. Uh, I direct our team development programs and our adventure programs, and really collaborate and work alongside my colleague Will, who's here today. And we've been working together, gosh, four years now? Something like that. About, about four years. So my background is... Uh, one of my colleagues today, Laurie McLaughlin, said, why are you wearing green rod at St. Patrick's Day? I said, because I'm English, and Ireland is a foreign country. <laughs> so I don't even have any claim to be part Irish, um, but we do have some green for you on the handout card today, so that's a representation. And the fact that Environmental Center has this kind of green theme, I think it's very apropos that we have uh, you know, our presentation on St. Patrick's Day. So I've been here in the States since 1991, Bouncing around the country, this is my second stint at Shavers Creek. I actually went up through our intern ranks. I was involved with one of our programs, Outdoor School, which we'll mention in a moment. And uh, been doing consultancy work in for-profit and non-profit organizations for leadership development and organizational development and also team development programs. And that's the program I run at Shavers Creek. So, Will, what's, what about you? What brings you here apart from your, your car? Well, 
some ways you did, but it was kind of uh, secondhand. Heather, my other half, came to Shavers Creek as a client. And Rod whipped out his business card and handed it to Heather and says, I like your style. I'd like to hire you. Heather says, well, you can't hire me, but you can hire the person who trained me. And Heather and I had met at Nature's Classroom, where I was a director of a non-traditional school in New England. And there I had done lots of team building with, um, and prior to that I had done team building with corporate groups and professional groups. And so when Rod saw Heather and saw what she was doing, somehow that got back to me and Heather and I had a conversation and then Rod and I ended up having a conversation. I ended up doing consultant work for um, Penn State and Shavers Creek, both um, with what we're going to talk about today and the Race Relations Project, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Great. So some familiarity, familiarity with Shavers Creek, and we're really going to test your knowledge today as far as what do you know about currently what we do. Uh, I come across a lot of people who, how many people have been out to Shavers Creek in the past six months? Past year? Past three years? Past five years? Okay, great. So even as close as last week, you're going to see a change to our physical presence today. A brand new photo that was snapped yesterday as part of our ongoing upgrades to our facility. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, Shavers Creek was actually founded, as I said, 32 years ago out of the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> Professional agriculture, Jim Hamilton, and uh, Corky Potter, who was actually our director for 25 years, who retired just before I came back. Um, it was actually Corky's wife, Cynthia, who was the original director of Shavers Creek. And she was involved with the educational system here in State College. And uh, Shavers Creek, as I said, was started basically as traveling programs. And we'll talk about those today. But then we were offered the uh, building that, well, another building over in Stone Valley Recreation Area, which has since burned down. Uh, but we eventually ended up in our current location. And uh, part of our challenges at Shavers Creek is the fact that we're dealing with um, some infrastructure that is, is pretty old, um, 50, 60 years old, and the, the current constant upkeep as far as our facilities. But you'll see how we're kind of uh, changing that as things go on and talk about our future goals as well. So today we're going to talk about Shavers Creek, and as I drove into the 329 building parking lot and parked in the wrong spot um, and had to move my car, uh, I noticed kind of how many cars there were in the parking lot and at Shavers Creek, we have this little area of staff parking. So Will and I have already done our introduction. And there's Will. Less than a, was it less than a year ago you shaved your beard? October I did that for class, yeah. Yeah, so he's doing a little sociology project <laughs> yeah, as far as what change in presentation looks like. This was us actually working with Outreach Marketing last year during a program with them. Um, but we're just two of our staff who actually have contracts. So we have a number of other people that come in part-time. Will started with us as a, as a facilitator who were kind of an hourly employee. But my question here is, and you can just shout it out, how many people do you think, whether they're full-time, uh, fixed-term position, whether they're graduate assistant, whether they're a full-time seasonal intern, whether it might be a part-time faculty who actually has an office at Shavers Creek. 
Any guesses to how many people do we have under contract, non-wage payroll, at Shaves Creek? 50. 50? 34? 130. 130? 20. 20? Okay, so there's a, there's a big, big difference there. So we're going to circle the closest response. Here is a look at those current employees. One director, we've got two kind of office managers slash staff, slash staff assistants, Tammy and Nikki. Um, they're, our, they're our brains. As far as if you look at everybody else, including Mark, our director, if you look at everybody else on this list, Everything as far as our business administration goes through our two staff assistants, Tammy and Nikki. Anything that I do that needs to go through the budget office touches their hands. So um, there are a number of different program areas. We have eight program directors. You think, gosh, look at this organization. You've got one director, eight program directors? And each one of our directors has a program that involves many hourly employees and also we'll talk about volunteers in a moment. We've got some newer positions. Um, these two positions, marketing information coordinator and also uh, one of our full-time program directors, are new positions within the past four years at Shavers Creek, as far as being full-time positions. And this group down here are eight seasonal interns. When we talk about actually what we provide as far as programming, except for our team building programs, our interns really are our front line. They don't just present our programs to thousands of people a year. They also train our volunteers. So they're an integral part to our program portfolio at Shavers Creek. And I actually did an internship in 1993, and that's what kind of got me involved and, and kept me connected. This down here is new. Graduate assistants, four graduate assistants funded through uh, Recreation Parks and Tourism Management, College of Health and Human Development, those graduate assistants are new positions to us in the past three years, and they actually show uh, how we are connected academically to University Park. And we'll dive into that a little bit more. So, the closest, who said 30? I said 34. I said 25. Oh, I didn't hear 25. Now we got to. That's okay. 34 is cl 34. close than 25. We're going to give you a little gift. So this is a little motivation to ask the questions. Thank you. These, uh, these are little flash drives. One of the programs Will and I do every, every summer is uh, an adventure program. And uh, to get the kids actually connected back to their summer of doing rock climbing, mountain biking, caving, and canoeing, every Thanksgiving, I send them a gift. And last year, the gift was a flash drive with a movie of their experience. Oh, cool. And uh, our Rock and River camp, which is just four weeks of camp, we can only take 12 kids because we've got a 15-passenger van with three staff with those 12 kids for the adventure programs. Um, they filled five days ago. So never before has that happened, and a number of our other camps are already full for the summer, which is a really good start to our summer program portfolio. But take a look at that figure. 30 contracted people and over 300 volunteers a year are associated with the delivery of our programs and also the maintenance of our programs. We'll talk about what that maintenance means in a, in a moment. But uh, our parking lot is full every day. And Will and I, I say out of a, a five-day work week, which averages at least 50 hours, uh, we're maybe at Shavers Creek two out of those five days. And a lot of our full-time program directors 
we're out, we're teaching classes on campus. Uh, that's what takes us most of the time away. And also programs that are off-site. So, can anybody, and this, this is going to be one where we're, we're not going to give an actual flash drive right now, but I want to know what sort of programs you know we offer. I already mentioned one, which was day camps during the summer. What other programs? So day camps, team building, I'm going to make another of these up on the board. Team building, what else? Raptor Center. Raptor Center. Part of it is outreach too. Your rap or your birds that you bring. Yeah, we take our birds all over the programs. state. So educational programs. So the Raptor Center is on site, and we'll talk about kind of putting these in buckets in a moment. Trail rides. Trail rides. There's an interesting component. Trail rides. So here's a thing that a lot of people. We are located within the geographical area of Stone Valley Recreation Area. But Stone Valley Recreation Area is under what department? Anybody know? DEB or DCNR. A athletics. Oh, Stone wow. Valley is run by athletics. Huh. Shavers Creek is an outreach unit. So administratively, we have no ties. We share the same land. Uh, Stone Valley helps us with some of our maintenance as far as plowing roads in the summer, things like that. We collaborate with them to maintain the trail system in the Stone Valley Recreation Area, which we utilize a lot for our programs, that school groups that come to our site and our camps. But administratively, we're not connected at all. Every week, I probably receive about 15 or 20 phone calls with people asking about programs that we provide, but also programs that Stone Valley provides. And Will and I collaborate a lot with, with Stone Valley because um, they are great partners to have. So what other types of programs do we? The public events like the Halloween, you do a thing on Yeah, Halloween. festivals, festivals. Right. Halloween trail and coming up the week after next is Pancakes. our annual Pancakes. Pancake Festival, our Maple Harvest Festival. <laughs> so if you want to come out and bring your families to learn all about how maple, har maple syrup is made, as an educational program, the cultural history around that, and then also have a delicious all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast utilizing real maple syrup, not the stuff we produce because we're not allowed to do that by law. Um, that goes to our volunteers. Um, come on out. It's a great festival. We'll talk about what the impact is of our festivals. Anything else? So we've got day camps, team building, Raptor Center, education programs. We've got festivals, Maple Harvest Festival, a Halloween Trail. The, the bat walk. Is that under education programs? Yeah, bat, walk, bat walks yeah. would be under education programs. Conservation leadership school. Interesting, run through the College of Agriculture. We've partnered with CLS for a number of years, uh, but that's actually a, a separate, separate program. But because we're geographically the same place, there is a lot of overlap between what is our logo and what Stone Valley is. And that's okay. We don't, we don't feel like there's, there's, there's really any need to, to change that because as a sense of place, people do go and rent cabins at Stone Valley and come to Shavers Creek to have a family day out as part of their, their vacation. So it really is a great kind of symbiotic relationship. So we've just been through kind of in uh, continuing distant education. As part of the research process, we've been going through some kind of strategic planning and some matrices and we've been putting things in buckets. And at Shavers Creek, we uh, have some pretty big buckets as far as our programs. And we are actually uh, 
world-renowned for our raptor center. Our raptor center, actually, um, when we got our location, that was our first animal, was a red-tailed hawk, okay, called Beauty. Beauty was 28 years old when I did my internship in 1993, and she died in, I believe, 1995. So, pretty, but these birds, they live for a long time. Uh, Jen Brackbill is our program director who manages all our educational programs as it revolves around youth, adults, and our raptor center. She's got a red-tailed hawk on her hand there at, at a traveling show, and that's actually a picture of our two bald eagles. So uh, all our birds in our raptor center cannot be released back into the wild because they've either been injured or they're imprinted, which means they've been raised in captivity and... Sometimes, you know, our interns or our volunteers will leave the door ajar and a bird will get out. And what do we do? Do we call 911? <laughs> what do we do if a bird gets out? Yeah, we, we might try and catch it, but most of the time they get hungry and come back to where they're fed every day. Okay? So they, they just don't have the ability to uh, live, live in the wild. So we use them for educational purposes. We'll talk about how our Raptor Center um, is used, but we're not just for the birds anymore. Shavers Creek was very much focused on our Raptor Center. It's a huge component of our program portfolio, but we've got a lot of other buckets that we look at right now. So for this presentation, I wanted to uh, keep it relatively simple and give us three buckets. We've got our off-site outreach. So we are a department of outreach, but we go across the state uh, we've gone as far as Lithuania and Latvia with team building programs. So we could say we have a global presence, a global footprint as far as our programs. We are a community-based nature center. And we have programs that are offered at Shavers Creek. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. And since 2004, we've always had a home academically. We've always taught classes. But since 2004, we've had a, a, a shift, strategic shift. And you'll see the results of that shift as far as us truly being an academic unit serving multiple colleges here at University Park. So let's take a look at the Nature Center. We're open seven days a week for 10 months out of the year. We're closed the last part of December through the beginning of February. Um, that gives us a little bit of time to do a little bit of maintenance to, for our collection. But more importantly, it's so our entire collection of animals go traveling somewhere in January. Where do they go? farm show, okay? So when we talk about our numbers here, these numbers don't include maybe 200,000 people that see our birds of prey and animal shows at the farm show. Because we are actually, if you've been to the farm show, we're one of the biggest presences in the main hall as far as our exhibit, doing birds of prey shows, doing animal shows, um, and just having a place where kids can come and see all those things in that setting. Our two annual festivals serve over 3,000 people over two weekends, four days. Those two festivals, full-time people, we ask our interns what they would like us to do. And our interns run those entire festivals. They get the project, and that's part of the internship, they get the project brief from years past, and they, based on we, what we know works, they contract with people for services, they get volunteers, they coordinate classes that are involved with delivering the educational component, they coordinate with those students in those classes to set up the stations, and they run the entire festivals. And Will and I, we get scheduled for one day out of those two days each time we do a festival, and uh, they tell us what we need to do. 
and it's a fantastic model for an internship, a professional internship. Most of our interns have already graduated. They're doing a professional internship so that they can gain experience to further their careers in the, usually the environmental education field. This is a pretty big number. 16,000 kids a year come to Shavers Creek, come to our site to do their field trips, and our curriculum is aligned with all Pennsylvania state standards. So that's why we get that many groups. Most of those kids, they don't come from State College. State College is actually one of our partners, Millbrook Marsh Nature Center, run by Central Region Parks and Rec. State College area schools actually go to Millbrook Marsh. They used to come to Shavers Creek when Millbrook Marsh started. That was part of uh, Mark McLaughlin's on, on the board. It's all part of the partnership as far as providing environmental programs. We're not competing. We're trying to get our message of stewardship out there. And Milbert Marsh does a fantastic job of uh, doing that at their location and doing their outreach programs as well. In the summertime, a lot of people know us through our camps and how we serve the kids over the summertime. Uh, we have 12 day camp programs. Now when I say 12 day camps, that doesn't mean 12 continuous weeks of program. We have six camps that focus on the age ranges from six until 12 year olds. We then have our adventure camp that Will and I run four weeks off. We have a camp specifically called Raptor Camp where kids 12 through 15 come and learn the behind the scenes of Shavers Creek. They manage our collection for a week and then they also, on their Friday afternoon, they learn how to handle birds. And then on the Friday, they get to do a bird appreciation for their parents as part of camp with a, a live bird on their hand. It's a pretty special camp. We have a watershed camp, which is all about watershed education. <coughs> Once again, that's for the 12 to 15-year-old age range. And then we have a, a small three-day camp called We Wanderers for our four- and five-year-olds. And that's just a three-day camp. One thing, because I was, I was uh, associated and was the assistant director for our, our regular summer camps, not our adventure camps, for our uh, six-year-old through 12-year-old range uh, for three summers. One of the special things about Shavers Creek is we're a day camp, but on Friday nights, 80% of our parents come out and they don't just pick up their kids and take them home for the weekend, but our whole facility becomes a great big camping space. And those parents put up their tents late Friday afternoon, early Friday evening. We do ice cream for the families. They have picnics. Each family actually uh, takes one of our interns or some of our volunteers and adopts them for dinner that night. And then we have a family campfire. And after campfire, we run some night hikes. And then everybody sleeps over. And then we do a pancake breakfast in the morning. And that's a big component of what makes Shavers Creek kind of a special camp in the summer. And uh, uh, our fight, we run two weeks of five-day camp. And uh, those camps filled in three days this year. Only, only members, and that's been a benefit of our membership. Our, our camps are open to everybody, but one of the benefits of membership is you get early registration rights. But it's not a guarantee you're going to get into our camps. We. For a lot of, I've, I've worked in the camping industry, and for a lot of camps, you have a full-time staff that just, just works the whole year for six weeks of programming in the summer. This programming happens over eight weeks of our summer, but all our full-time directors, our assistant directors, our, our other interns, and our graduate assistants, we're doing a lot of other things during the school year as well, and camp is just one component of our program portfolio. So, this is worth a stick. Nana. 
How many pancakes? <laughs> you had a question for me? I had a question. <laughs> Please ask the question. Uh, you mentioned uh, that your off-site programs go to different countries. Do you do anything with uh, children from other countries? We had a uh, Little League World Series, pretty big deal here in this part of Pennsylvania. Uh, a few years ago, we had the uh, kids from Japan who qualified came and did uh, three days at Shavers Creek. We did a little mini camp for them to immerse them in the central Pennsylvania. If you have any groups that would like to do that, that's what we're here for, is we're here to offer you services as being part of, our, part of the outreach family. That's how we survive, is making our connections. Will and I, uh, this, this promotional piece that we, we just laid on the table for you, that's the only piece of paper that Will and I ever hand out. We've got about 100 left and we're not, we're not producing any more. It's all about making a personal connection is how we work, okay? Our website design is important, you know, as far as that's concerned, but for the work that we do, once people make a connection to Shavers Creek, they, they're usually going to have a pretty nice experience and want to come back. So yes, we do provide. Now, as far as going to foreign countries currently and producing programming for them currently, not right now. But if you've got some funding, sign us up. We'll go. <laughs> uh, I was invited to go down to Antarctica a couple of years ago. I couldn't work it out with my, my schedule. It didn't quite work out. Did was going to do some team building for a group of researchers from Penn State. Uh, they had their own team building experience because while they were down there, their twin otter crashed and they were stranded for three days. And they actually had to form as a team pretty early on in their process. And they're like, oh, it was good. We saved some money. <laughs> so going back to pancakes, how many? 6,200. 6,200. I'm going to say 5,000. 5,000. 8,000. 15,000. 15,000, 8,000. I was going to say 6. 10,000, 6. We're in the same neighborhood here. We've heard the answer. Boom! Over 10,000 pancakes. That was last year. Our festivals are also weather dependent. If it's raining, you know, people actually pre-buy tickets. But uh, sometimes we don't get as many. Last year we had it. It was, it was raining. And we still had over 2,000 people that weekend. And Craig Weidman, since he's been at Outreach, he's come out every year and flipped pancakes. Flipped the pancakes for at least 30 minutes, which is fantastic to see him. And one of our program directors, Doug Wenzel, who does all our camp programs, he, he makes sure he's on the grill when Craig's coming out. He, Craig, gets his, <laughs> Craig gets his Outreach update, and it's really nice to see him out there every year uh, helping us out with that. How many pancakes is that a person, though? That's five. Yeah. Uh, the record for the amount of pancakes consumed by one person is 85 uh, at one sitting, okay? It's actually held by our newest staff member when he was a kid. Uh, Corky Potter was, as I said, was director of Shaver Street for 25 years. Uh, his son, Josh Potter, just came back to the community as our marketing information coordinator. And it wasn't a case of nepotism. Josh blew us away with his presentation, his interview skills. It was, it was pretty amazing. We've worked hard on our SEEP. There's a picture of Shavers Creek. This shot is a really nice picture, but this shot was taken in about 2003 with these blue awnings here. So what's a seep? Anybody know? Shavers Creek has had many homes. It was part of athletics for a while. It was actually part of the College of Health and Human Development. It was part of our uh, campus system, branch campus system for a little while. So we've fallen under many, many different kind of administrative areas. We came to outreach, I believe, in 2000, right around 2000. This program, the SEAP program, 
which stands for Campus Exterior Architectural Plan. These seats were created for our branch campuses. How are we going to approve the look of our branch campuses to encourage students to come to our branch campuses? At that stage, we were involved with our branch campus structure, and we actually were given a SEEP. And it was actually after we came to outreach, they still wanted to do one for us. And as I said, we have a facility that's kind of getting old. So in the past, I was hired back in 2003. So everything I'm going to show you here has happened in the past two years. So if you haven't come out in two years, you need to come out and see what it looks like. So if you come to Shavers Creek, these aren't renderings, these are real things. Okay? This actually, anybody went to the Pennsylvania Home Show this past weekend? Anybody at the Bryce Jordan Center? This was actually an exhibit there a few years ago, and the company actually donated it to us. And we just paid them nice. to come and put it in as a kiosk. So we're reusing, and they're an environmental-based company as well. And they've actually put their stamp on our place because they bid on our improvements, and quite a number of them, they've, uh, their name is Invinity, that quite a number of them, they've actually got the bid. But we've actually got a nice welcome sign. So as you drive in Shavers Creek, there's a big sign that says, Welcome to Stone Valley, Shavers Creek, the Experimental Forest. Then there's a fork in the road. You can go left to Stone Valley. Now you can see a big gate that says, Welcome to Shavers Creek on your right. And you, you know you've arrived. It's a quarter mile turnaround. Yes, yes, it's, it's quite, quite a big turnaround. Uh, but do not rely on your GPSs to get there. The GPS... Garmin takes you to the wrong place. Uh, just go to our website and get the directions. Uh, GPS technology is not that great yet. We're still in the woods. So, our parking loop has changed. I wanted to bring up my little uh, parking guy here. No entry. Uh, if you've been Shavers Creek recently, you'll know that now you actually, the next fork in the road, we used to actually go this way around, and you'd pass the parking areas, and if it was your first time Shavers Creek, you'd be like, parking, parking? Where am I going? Parking, parking. You get all the way to here and say, oh, there's Shavers Creek, and have to go all the way around again to find parking. Or parking our staff and, and volunteer lot and fill that up. Well, there's no room there anymore. So what we did last year is we changed it. So now you drive down here, the first thing that you see is our front lawn and our building, and then there's signage to guide you in the right direction to the parking area. And it's made a great improvement with our guests actually parking in the right place and they know when they come to there for the first time where they're going to get to once they've, say, trailed to Nature Center. Before that, they had, is it 10 miles? Is it 20 miles? I don't know how long I'm going to walk here. So we've also got our uh, improved parking facilities for uh, disabled people <coughs> who uh, can get very close to our center. Hey, Rod, can I say yes. something about that one? <clears throat> for those of you who might be thinking, uh, we should do something in our office that would make a change for the better. We had this idea for quite a while. It, I think it took us two years to actually implement that, to get all the processes to happen. It was not an easy process. <laughs> Getting the right signs, the right okays, change the traffic pattern. It was a big, big deal. So I say that so you guys can go do whatever big deal you want to do within your office place. Too. But we still have, we, we might be over on the other side of the mountain. We're outreach, but we're also part of Penn State, so we follow all the policies and procedures that make our life sometimes such a joy as everybody else. And those hoops, when they're important enough to jump through, we need to jump through those. But it definitely hasn't made a difference to our guest experience coming out to Shavers Creek. 
So looking at other things that we've done, this was a big, big deal at Shavers Creek. Uh, this is an outdoor classroom facility. If I take a look here, just to give you your bearings, this is looking back at the front yard, and this is the edge of our building. Back here is our Raptor Center, and this is a trail that, a walkway that takes us up to our bathrooms. This outdoor pavilion was a, a grant. Uh, we partnered with the DCNR for an improvement outdoor teaching space grant. We were awarded a matching grant, and uh, this facility was completed, gosh, 14 months ago. Since then, if you've come out for our festivals, it's such a nice experience to have pancakes underneath this pavilion. It's got a big fireplace. On the back side, one of my dreams was, hey, if I get some funding, can, can I build a little climbing wall for the little kids to, while they're at, their, at our fairs and festivals and after day camp, to climb a little climbing wall? We've got that now. All part of kind of our dreams and actually really pursuing. Once again, this was not an easy process, but it really enables us to provide some great programming because our older site at Shavers Creek, one of our limitations is indoor space. We can't house a group of 200 people on a rainy day comfortably. Have we done it? Yes. But we don't even book groups of that size anymore. We'll go and, we'll go and partner with CE Lodge across the lake and uh, run our programs there if we've got really large groups. But this has enabled us to really expand our kind of connection to the environment outdoor teaching space, and it's, it's just a wonderful facility. How many can you accommodate in there? How many uh, we can accommodate, we've got room for 100 people for us sitting, picnicking. Uh, there's a big deck that kind of comes off this side um, over here, and then a big fireplace here. So. It's a, it, it was one of those kits that you find in a lot of parks and rec places, but then we kind of added a bunch to the kit um, using uh, uh, resources here at Penn State. So, wonderful addition to, to our teaching capacity at Shavers Creek. Other things that have popped up in the woods are things just as simple as a covered teaching space. So take a look at this. Frame construction, but these main posts are a tree that was dead, harvested, and repurposed to be to cover the, the main supporting point of this small cover teaching space. But 12 sixth graders can fit under here. Will and I actually have a little bit of hardware up here that this becomes a pretty uh, interesting team development activity as well, um, with ropes and a big post hole digger and all sorts of things. We call it the golden claw. But this is a great space because we have a green space and then um, just a place so we can just get out of the rain just for a few minutes if we need to. So these sort of things, we've, this is our first one, we've got another couple kind of in the works and we rely a lot of donation, on donations. The development office I know did a presentation. Uh, we've been very fortunate to have some great relationships with the development office. Uh, one thing you may not know is Shavers Creek has an endowment of well over $1 million right now. Our goal is to double that in the next few years. So we're continuing to to build those connections with our, our donors as well. Lakeside Pavilion. This is the initial architectural rendering. This is a picture of once again post and beam construction, no nails. And this is down at a point. If you've ever been at Shavers Creek and people come out and go down to a point and look across the lake, Lake mm -hmm. Perez, the lake is no longer there. It's a wonderful, wonderful natural space. Nature has kind of taken over again. We've got some invasive species that we're, we're kind of dealing with. But one of our donors wanted to have a little gazebo initially to go down and just sit at that, that place. And it's actually where Shavers Creek comes together with one of the other creeks 
And it's a beautiful spot. It's another teaching space, and it's a place where our donor comes and visits. Since you bring it up, can you explain what happened to Lake Perez after a major... Yeah. A major overhaul a major 10 overhaul years ago? 10, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah. We do not exactly know. We just know it's issues with something around the dam. Not necessarily the dam, the components they fixed, but mm -hmm. something else. So contact athletics so if you like So it's got a leak somewhere? We... we we don't know the exact details. We've just been, we were just told when it was closing down that the DSNR were coming out to suck out all the fish. Mm -hmm. And then three days later, the lake was drawn down a certain level. Then last year, it was drawn down to the stream bed. They spend a lot of time looking for leaks to see if it's leaking. Water is getting through the other side, but they don't really know if it's a leak or if it's some kind of underground thing. And they're worried about the dam bursting. And so the mm -hmm. way they dealt with they're it. They're just really not sure at this point. So if you want any information that means anything, contact athletics. We, we really don't know. So, but it still is a beautiful natural environment. That's what the valley was. You know, it was just a creek running through that valley. So on the Stone Valley side, we can't canoe anymore. But as far as our programs, none of our programs use the lake to any significant. We had a four days of canoeing a year. And we now have partnered with Woodham State Park and we go across the street and, and use the lake there. So our, our programming and our visitation has not been hit by the fact that the lake has been drawn down. Projects that we're working on right now, if you, any of you brought your kids to camp and you've, you've had that campfire experience, we had this kind of little area, very cozy, wonderful. If you did a team building program during the 1980s, early 1990s, a team development program used to be, you know, Paul is six foot tall. So this is a wall that you used to have to get over as a group. And it goes up to 14 feet, over 14 feet. We don't use it anymore for that activity, due to OSHA rules, because you can't, yeah, you need a harness and things like that. But it's a great backdrop to our summer camp campfires. And we've also been thinking about accessibility. And we were awarded another grant. And now we're going to actually have a trail that goes down to our boardwalk, which is ADA accessible. The clearing of the woods and the trail has actually been cleared. That happened over this winter. And I'm not exactly sure of the completion date, but it's being worked on this spring. So that provides us <coughs> an opportunity to really have our environmental programs be truly accessible. The climbing wall that we brought in, I worked with our provider to make sure that was completely ADA accessible too. <coughs> uh, I teach my students in my rock climbing leadership class how to run programs for people who maybe only have one arm or can't use their legs. So we use that as far as being accessible. So that's something that's in the works. A new campfire space. This happened last week. I took two days off for spring break, and we'd be like, oh yeah, they're coming in, the landscape two's coming in, and then suddenly we've got Stonehenge. <laughs> All these rocks are benches for our parents. We're actually, this eventually, once we uh, work on uh, a few more donations, is going to turn into another covered teaching space. But we have a campfire, and the campfire's there symbolic. It doesn't keep these people warm. But it's there because it's more of a show. Kids do skits, we do songs, really interactive participation. But what we've got now is we've got this great area. It's still very muddy, but it's going to look great by the time summer comes. For parents to have a nice place to sit that's there permanently, unless they're really strong. And uh, we've got this space at the front where the kids can sit on their camp mats and uh, be close and be part of their group. So as you can see, looking back up towards our building, and this photo, as I said, was taken a couple of days ago, uh, it's right there. So if you can imagine that scene in the summertime, there would be 30 tents in that picture in our front yard. 
and another 20 tents behind the building, and then other tents in the woods, depending on how uh, each family wants to have their experience. BHAG, what does that stand for? Jim Collins, good to great. Craig Weidman really loves the work of Jim College. Jim Collins. BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. This is ours. Last year we had College of Engineering, we had <coughs> development, we had a number of other units from campus and administrators come out to do a design, a facilitated design charrette, which was a, I didn't know what a charrette was. But they came out for a two-day meeting to talk about what are our needs for a new facility at Shavers Creek. So to give you an idea of this, this is our, our building as of now where Will and I's office are. This is the Raptor Center area. So behind the building, we actually have a hill. At the top of the hill right now, we have something called our, our upper classroom. That we use as classroom space, can hold 40 people at the pinch. We, we teach all the classes up there, and we use it for rentals. This area represents a LEED certified classroom, teaching space, laboratory. So that's our goal. Big, hairy, audacious goal. We need a lot of help to get there, but after seeing what we've done in the past few years with our site, some of them little things, some of them bigger things, um, I'm really excited about that, even with this whole reset process going on. So that's our big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, so if you can imagine, right now we've got a little uh, shack out here, which is our director's office, and one, two, three, four, four, five, six people in about 120 square feet. In a shed. In a shed. We've got a shed on this side of the building, so those sheds would go away, and you'd just be left with this historic building, which would be our nature center, and all our administrative offices would be further up with, with our classroom space. So, fingers crossed. So, Reality check. What do we offer to the rest of the Commonwealth? We've talked about you know, our traveling programs. We've talked about our team building programs. We've talked about farm show. Let's just delve into that a little bit more. Outdoor school is a program I'm very connected to because I, I, I worked for outdoor school as an assistant to the program director for two years. Um, school numbers have not grown as far as the amount of school kids. Our outdoor school program only has a certain amount of weeks it can run. A few weeks in the spring, a few weeks in the fall. We uh, actually run outdoor school now at Camp Blue Diamond as a partner. Uh, that was based on in Stone Valley Partnership, but that was based on we did some of our schools, as far as group numbers, did expand. And literally, Stone Valley couldn't handle that with their facilities at that point, so we had to look for another local place where they could stay. 15 schools, 700 students coming from many, many different counties in this central Pennsylvania area. And one of the schools that Will and I work with in a more adventure-based program, they've been coming for 18 years, and they come up from Newark, Delaware every year for a whole week. But here's the big growth. Last year, we had 208 counselors and 14 learning group leaders. Apart from a few of them, over 200 of these were current Penn State students taking a class through science education on how to lead students in a non-traditional setting. So we teach the class, and they get a five-day experience. So our definition at Shavers Creek of blended programs is taking that academic component and putting those students in leadership roles, videotaping them, giving them feedback so that they know what sort of teachers that they are outside of the traditional classroom setting. 
So um, it's a wonderful experience, outdoor school. And now our current facility, they are growing a few more school districts. And now we're trying to bring some school districts back to Stone Valley and run outdoor school concurrently at two different sites. And that's going to be starting as soon as this fall. So <coughs> our traveling nature programs, you might have seen them on CNET during, uh, during the farm show. They're actually televised as well. But our traveling nature, nature programs, we can't take the birds on a plane. So it's basically within a three to four hour driving range. But we do take them overnight. They have traveling cases and they've stayed in hotel rooms and um, interesting check-in procedures. But uh, our traveling programs, we have over 120 traveling programs a year. What prevents them from going on a plane? They're afraid to fly. <laughs> uh, you know what, I don't, I don't think we've explored that, but there are pretty much, in every state you can find a raptor center and why put our birds through that and they have to go on a cold. They, they work hard enough as it is. So, great question. Have? Sorry? How many birds do you have? Currently we have 27. Okay. Uh, all our birds, we used to have a rehab program where people would come in and say, I found this bird on the road. We don't do that anymore. Center Wildlife Care, Robin Grabowski, she does that here in the state center county area. Robin will give us some birds that can't be released. Um, but our, our, our collection, we also get birds that are donated by other zoos from other parts of the country that uh, they can't use for, if you've been to some zoos, they actually have kind of raptor centers where they do flighted programs. None of our birds uh, do that sort of program. But over 120 traveling programs a year. And uh, that's with thousands of people. If you, if you do count the farm show numbers, you could say, well, it could be up to a quarter of a million people see our birds away from Shavers Creek. If you take TV, um, who knows? So it's a pretty big component of our program. But we don't charge much for these programs. Schools don't have the budget to pay for these programs. We have one of our endowments supports our nature traveling programs and our on-site programs. We do programs now, kids came out today, and they were charged $2.25 per kid for uh, six hours at Shavers Creek. You can't even buy a soda at the movies for that anymore. <coughs> but we believe it's important, especially serving some of our lower income constituents, south of Center County especially, uh, that we want to keep our prices at that. So this, of course, those 16,000 kids can continue to come. So. Development has helped us with that, with our endowments, but what has also helped us with that is the fact that we have these blended programs with students who take leadership programs in animal handling, in managing programs, and we get a little portion of their credit income that helps support these programs that we don't make money on. So, talking about academics, how many classes do we offer? So out of our classes, if you take, we've got eight full-time program directors and two program assistants, so that's 10 people who basically could teach something beyond all these programs we've already talked about. How many classes do you think we offer? About 90. About 90, okay. Any others? 40, 25. 50. 50. Survey says 30. Now, 30, when I say a class, 
we can, we can offer multiple sections of a class, but that's only offered as one class up here. Who said, who's, who got closest? With 25. So, for example, Will and I, we teach a class that represents one of those 30 classes, RPTM 230, but that is offered four times a year, two sections a semester. But that's still only one of those 30 classes. So there are a lot more if you want to go class by class a lot more. But those are 30 independent classes serving 800 students and over 2,000 credit hours of instruction. Resident income. This is not continuing education. This is resident university park students. Um, one of the courses I used to teach, I don't teach anymore because we don't have spring break in the school district anymore here at State College. I used to take a group of st students out to Colorado and we did an introduction to search and rescue class. I had students from Michigan State University taking that class because we all had to fly to Colorado over spring break and we had students from you know, another university taking that class. But classes, when I came to Shavers Creek, that number was eight in 2003, okay, as far as ongoing classes. Are those accredited? Those are credit classes, okay? All resident instruction listed on E-Line here at University Park. So since the provost report we went through in 2004, where the provost came in, did a study of all our finances, and said, you need to do something slightly different because one of the things that could happen is Shavers Creek could go away. Since then, when the provost gave us the okay to capture some of this credit income, Provo said, do what you do best, which is blending your programs with the academics and the outreach programs. That's what we've done strategically. And here's how we've done it. Frog. Let's take a look at these. Recreation Parks and Tourism Management. This is our historical home. We actually teach all the courses for their outdoor track, plus a few other courses. 21 courses. And the thing about our courses is they all have some sort of leadership component. So this is a course I teach every fall and every spring called Rock Climbing Leadership. And students who want to be outdoor professionals get taught by me the whole semester. I'm a certified guide through the American Mountain Guiding Association, but on the lower level of guiding, because I'm not a professional guide. It's part of what I do. This guy here, <coughs> Martin Moratales, is the owner of one of the largest guiding services in the country. And we, as a capstone field trip, go to New York for four days, and my students, risk management, I can't, I can't take my students climbing, you know, up, up. This, is, this is actually 120 feet off the ground, and then they're going to climb up another 200 feet. You go to the schlockums? Yeah, we go to the gaps. I can't do that. I'm not certified to do that. Can't manage the risk. We've got our certified climbing service where the students actually get to write a paper, and they have to interview one guy to two students, and they spend two days and they have to interview over two days and write a 10-page paper on what did this person have to do to get to this point in their career where they can take me out and do this stuff and not just do the stuff in the gym that I do with them, focusing on the technical skills. And starting last semester, we actually now offer a certification for those students. So our outdoor leadership classes all offer a certification for those students so they can go into the workforce, even summer camps for their, you know, if they've got multiple years left here at Penn State and be certified in leading some of these experiences. So um, RPTM is a big component of us. This is our biggest program financially at Shavers Creek, biggest individual program. Kines 089, the Orion program, Penn State's Wilderness Orientation program. 
It started back in 1994 with 10 students going into the woods for three days, freshmen coming in to University Park and other campuses, but it started with that small amount. We're now up to over 200 students over a period of four weeks in the summer. We also do an urban-based experience called Urban Service Experience for students who don't want to go backpacking. And they all get a kinese component because they work very hard for that. And this one program, as far as income over the, our entire budget, represents all, well, just over 25% of our overall budget in this one program. So we have a full-time program director and graduate assistants and many other people supporting that. Forestry, four courses. Eric Burkhardt was hired two years ago. Yes, no, no. Where do you run your uh, urban service? Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia. You don't do any in Pittsburgh. We did, but uh, the contact kind of dried up, and as they expanded the program, it's now, if you want, Suzanne de Brulier is our current program director. Contact her initially, but then you'll be working with somebody else, because unfortunately, her husband, who's a tenured professor here, just got a department head job down at NC State, so they're leaving, and we're really bummed about that, so we're hoping that position gets replaced, because that's over a quarter of our budget right there. Forestry, Eric Burkhardt came to us from the uh, forestry department and uh, he, in a partnership, just like Will, part of his contract is with the College of Liberal Arts, with this other program, the Race Relations Project. Um, Eric works in forestry, teaches four classes, Shaves Creek pays a salary, and we're able to capture some of that credit income from the, the classes that he teaches through um, that department, agreements with that department. And then this is outdoor school, science ed. Will, do you want to talk about this race relations project? I know outreach, you came in and the staff did a program. Yes, so, um, boy, almost half of my time during the school year is with the race relations project. My job there is to train facilitators to walk into a room full of strangers and talk about the taboo subject of race for an hour and a half with no agenda. So I just walk in and say, okay, let's talk about race. Um, it's a hard thing, and it's a not an easy thing to do without some self-growth. So I help the students um, to do a lot of self-growth. This week their assignment during spring break was to take a sign that says free hugs and go out into public places and hold their sign up and see what <laughs> Anybody happens. see that in State College? I did. I got one. I didn't realize it was well student. <laughs> and, and so part of that, if you think about being out there being that vulnerable, what happens? What are you thinking about those people? What assumptions are you making? What type of attitudes are you taking on? Um, it's the, one of the quick, once I get them prepared for that moment, it's one of the quickest ways I can jumpstart them into some really deep growth. Um, and then the facilitators who become really top-notch, it's like a, almost a three-year process to get up to the top ranks then we can start doing it for professional groups. So they've come in and done it for outreach and other organizations. So if you need some people to come in and do some conversation around race, I've got some uh, people that would love to do that for you. So a little stat, snapshot of our courses. But for us, we're going to finish with this. Um, the big picture, Jeff Hand, uh, in a number of the reset meetings, and came out Shavers Creek when he was first hired, and, the tagline that I really kind of latched onto that he said multiple times in my presence was, no margin, no mission. It doesn't mean that every one of our programs needs to make money. Our school's programs would go away if the rule was, if it doesn't make money, 
And that's 16,000 kids that don't get uh, an outdoor experience as part of their school curriculum that we provide for the state of Pennsylvania. Because schools come in from far and wide for that. But what it means is overall, as far as our budget, and especially with the reset process, we really need to be fiscally responsible. And the provost set this in place starting in 2003. I, my first day on the job in 2003 was May 12th. On May 14th, I was invited, I was at my office, and I was invited to come into our lower classroom, and we had the provost report committee out there for lunch. And Pat Book invited me in and introduced me as, this is Rod Lee, our newest program director, moved his family all the way from Arizona to come work at Shavers Creek, and he knows that we're here today discussing the future at Shavers Creek, and one of the things on the table is Shavers Creek could go away. That's the first time I heard that. So I put on my game face because I was asked the question, what under those conditions made you or had you make the decision to come back to Shavers Creek? Pretty volatile situation. You know, reset can be scary, but that to me was, oh my gosh, what did I do? But I was able to honestly say, everything that we do is tied to our mission, which in layman terms is connecting people to the environment and people to people within the environment. That's where our team building programs come in. And I really believed in that core mission. And once the Provost report had happened, the Provost said, okay, stick to what you're good at, which is your outreach, working with youth, but also connecting your un our undergraduate students to leadership opportunities, working with youth. And let's see if we can come up with a format that can get you to a place where you can be stable. So... 2004, our operating budget was 652000 Of that, $18,000, <coughs> no, sorry, $28,000 was from credit income. $28,000 out of that operating budget. That year, we finished with a net of minus $246,000, quarter of a million dollars in the hole. And for those of you who are... Um, uh, part of the presentation as far as the reset, there were some pretty scary numbers to us that were put up as far as our overall budget that we found out weren't, because I went back to Mark and said, we've been told we're doing okay, and this is, the numbers were a little skewed because they didn't factor in our credit income for that semester, which will show you why that's a big important right here. So Provost report said, okay, you're operating at a quarter of a million dollars in the negative right now. You need to get to a point where you are working to a goal of minus 75,000. So we'll give you central funding, 75,000 to help with what you do. Now, understand that at Shavers Creek, we don't have any central funds that pay for our electric bill, our sewage, any of our services. That all comes out of this, this big figure, our, our unit budget. Okay? There's no central funds that go towards that, apart from whatever these two figures are. So. Credit income, as I said, $28,000 in 2004 for the whole year. Our credit income for the fall semester, $598,000. Now, we've grown a lot as far as staffing. You can see the projects that we've, we've, we've put in over the past couple of years. Um, our operating budget for this year was set at one point, just over $1.3 million, now, basically doubling. But based on our credit income, from, and also our projections for the classes that we're teaching for this semester also, um, we're looking at being on target for that goal. 
Now, being on target for that goal is we still haven't had the final, final figures as far as the reset process. But we're pretty confident with the reset process, based on all the programs that we do, that we're still going to be here. Whatever challenges are set forth for us as a unit, we're going to utilize you know, our strategy. We're going to utilize <laughs> our connections on campus. And part of that is our outreach family to, you know, Will and I were in Pittsburgh two weeks ago working for Penn State New Kensington, working for a corporate client, a five-day program they put together, we were one component of that program. And that was just a wonderful thing, and we've, we've done that with multiple of the branch campuses. Um, 4-H, I developed their outdoor adventures curriculum in 2004, and was the coordinator of that national curriculum. We've uh, developed a team building program for 4-H where we, uh, three years ago, went out and trained a number of the state leaders and they're now dispersing that. Teacher in-services. Uh, we have classes that go towards continuing education credits for teachers and we're looking at expanding those sort of offerings. So that's the kind of things that we're looking at in the future. Our facility, we don't have room for any more cars in the parking lot or people even in the sheds that we have right now as offices. So expansion for us may be contingent upon some pretty strategic development efforts to have a newer facility, office facility at the top. Now, I'm looking at hopefully you know, 10 years and come back and say, well, not come back, invite you out and say, come and take a look at our new classroom. That's, that's my goal and I hope to be around, around for that. So with that, I've talked a lot. I'm going to talk a little bit more as part of our program in a moment, but does anybody have any questions? Snapshots. Jennifer. I have a question. Yes. Crazy idea, but yeah. I just thought I'd throw it out. And I should qualify this by saying I think that what you do is fabulous. And I will tell you that I am a product of Shavers Creek, so to speak, because I've been coming there since I was a child, mm -hmm. literally. My parents, mm -hmm. my older sister took me there whether I wanted to go or not. <laughs> Some days. Yes. I would rather My kids are the same shopping, way. Shopping, <laughs> you know, but we had to go see those birds. But it was actually the long term was a good thing because now I take all my nephews there. But my question is, have you ever thought about taking what you do for children and youth and offering it to an adult niche? Like, have we thought about it? Yes. And Because I'm just thinking in terms of um, reaching another target audience, you know, mm -hmm. more net, another niche for an income. Mm -hmm. I think that adults are, you know, they talk about, what is that um, syndrome? They talk nature deficit nature disorder. Nature deficit disorder. I think we are all yes. suffering from that, not just children and youth. We closed the shades today. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah. But, so I was wondering <laughs> if, if you'd ever <laughs> consider that. We have considered it. So with this strategic shift to we've really focused on blending academics with our programming. Uh, Will and I are averaging as well as running our programs, which we didn't even mention team building because you've got a, a takeaway with that. We, we run over 80 programs a year, team building programs. Most of those are actually um, staff and faculty groups. They're not, we, don't, we don't work with the youth groups apart from four weeks in the summer. All our team development programs are not kids' programs, they're adult programs. Um, so there's one component we're already doing. But with this shift to teaching more and blending, um, as full-time people, whereas I only used to run 80 team building programs, I'm now teaching 8 to 10 credits a semester as well. So it's just like, 
there's there's a pretty big stone. How much more blood can we get from that one piece? We're literally bursting at the seams. We have the capacity, we have the expertise to definitely do that. And as part of the outreach reset process, I was on the academic component, the, the little subcommittee, and spoke a lot with Becky in continuing education about, you know, possibilities. So yes, we've thought about it, and yes, could it be a possibility? Definitely. But you need more staff. We would, we would need not just staff, but yeah. places to put them. Yeah. And it ne doesn't necessarily need to be at Shamus Creek. So if you've got any ideas, we, we, we do have one office on campus in the Ford building with our PTA. Okay. Um, kind of along with that, um, I know that in the unit where I'm working, we do a lot of team work, but there really isn't a lot of thought about um, maintenance with teams mm -hmm. and those types of relationships. Mm -hmm. But how about just like training people within the unit so they can bring those ideas back? Because I don't think there's really anyone who can help support those types of things where I am. And I can see that being true for a lot of places. I don't know what that would, I, I know it would help the organization. Yeah. You so know. some ongoing programs. I think our, our, our best ongoing program in the past couple of years is actually outreach marketing, where we've actually worked with them what, four times now in the past 14 months, maybe? Three and Three, then some and individuals. <coughs> some individuals and kind of done some coaching as well. Right. So yeah, but as far as training staff, definitely. Overstepping our bounds, we're here to support Jody. And we've actually partnered with Jody on a, on a couple of programs as, as well, so that would be something that we could offer as a delivery unit for our professional development here within overall outreach, definitely. So, an option. Can you excuse me for a second, because I want to write these things down. Uh, Will, can you sure. call on somebody else? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, are your internships paid internships? They are paid internships. They don't make a lot of money. They get housing. Um, I would say that it's in a couple hundred dollar range. One sixty-five a week. There you go. Plus housing. Because I know you, you said that some of them are postgraduates. They've done graduate. They're and so they're they're done. You know, I, I I can think of well, like my daughter's a psychology major with her undergraduate degree at Penn State, and she's thinking, what do I want to do now? And I think that somewhere like Shavers Creek, working with all the camps and everything would be ideal for. But now she's getting to the point where she's got to pay those student loans. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a challenge, especially when you got student loans. However, the other, the flip side of it is, is it gives the interns an experience that they can't have oh, anywhere else. Absolutely. And they get to apply those things in a very experiential way, and they get to fall on their face and say, and then yeah. there's people around to say, okay, yeah. here's some tools to help you through that. Where's the housing? Uh, it's tucked in the woods. I can't even describe it to you. It's a house. Six hundred and fifty square foot <laughs> house. The house is up to eight people. Like Red Rose Lane. No, it's up. If you if you come out onto Charter Oak Road and take a left, as if you're going to the west entrance to Stone Valley or towards Petersburg, as you hit the second hill, you take a left. There's a bunch of hunting cabins back there. Mm -hmm. and there was a hunting cabin that was donated to us. Right. That was donated back in like 1986. I've lived there. My wife's lived there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to touch upon his question uh, in, a, in a perhaps a different way. Um, so us at team, with the team building department, we do lots of different programming, and a lot of it is repeat with uh, different clients, and we can help professional groups um, really work on some behavior stuff that can really 
make a difference in their office, and we're going to talk about some of that in the medicine wheel. But uh, I'd like to refer to this, uh, these books right here, Anatomy of Peace, or Leadership and Self-Deception. Raise your hand if you've ever read one of those. I highly recommend them. Uh, Heather gave me a gift of Anatomy of Peace um, a year, two years ago. I looked at a way to make it part of my grad program, and this last week for spring break, I did a train the trainer. And so thinking about your office place, it just definitely rings something for me. I have to say it's a little tricky because think about what Rod and I would do and help an office, um, say, perhaps be better communicators. What would be some elements of better communication? Just go ahead and throw some things out there. Listening. Listening. What else? Speaking up. Speaking up. Being direct. Being direct, eye contact, smiling, all of those things. All of those are behaviors. Could I practice those behaviors with Sam here and not care about Sam? Mm -hmm. Sure. And could Sam potentially notice that I don't care? Mm -hmm. And then would that affect our relationship? <laughs> oh, Sam's already saying Could that potentially uh, affect our relationship? So. What I can now offer you is an experience where you can put vocabulary around something that's deeper than those behaviors. We call it a way of being. And with that experience and that vocabulary, you can start to see how you might be a leader, the ways that you might deceive yourself, the way that you put yourself in a box, put other people in a box, <coughs> and create resistance with the people around you. Uh, it's pretty intensive. It's got four modules, uh, influence, integrity, teamwork, and accountability. And when I say accountability, I'm not accountable for Jackie. Deep accountability. Deep accountability within yourself and how that can affect what you're doing in the workplace. So if that interests you, come talk to me afterwards. Um, if it interests you, pick up one of those books, check it out and we can have a conversation about how we can do that in your workplace. It's so new because we'll just got back from the certification process in Arizona. Uh, how many of you went to uh, the outreach gathering with the Shokirs as a keynote with Authentic Conversations? Anybody go to that? Well, you know, here's the guy who made a connection with the Shokirs. We actually got to experience the Shokirs for two days as part of Professional Development Shavers Creek, and then he gets to stay at the house for free in Arizona <laughs> and do a training for another organization. So that's, that's what we try to do, is help to build the, those relationships. Um, what we say to every group is, we're not going to come in there and, and offer, you know, we're not offering a Band-Aid. We'll offer you some tools, but you need to be accountable. And I'm really excited because we've barely seen each other this week, but teaching class, um, to find out how we're going to incorporate this new component of, of what we can deliver at Shapers Creek as well. So I feel like there's a few more questions, and I'm looking at the clock. I'm wondering if we should give them a break, have people come ask us questions during that break, and then start maybe at 20 after in the circle over there. Sounds great. We'll do that. So if you've got any other kind of one-on-one -on -one questions, we'll be here. Uh, so looking at that clock, so look at your watch in six minutes from now. We're going to sit in that.